Amen. Well, my question this morning starts with what is religion? Uh, we asked, probably could have an agreement in here, but if we went out on the street today and said, hey, what do you think religion is? I'm, I'm sure we'd get a wide array of answers, and I'm guessing a lot of them wouldn't be very positive. You know, some people would say, well, religion is a, uh, that's a crutch. You know, that, that, that's what weak people need. You know, you need, you need something to kind of prop yourself up, some kind of security. Some people need that. I don't need that, but I know some people do. Maybe a more positive view of saying the same thing. People would say, well, religion is a, a way of looking at God and afterlife and spiritual things. I mean, if you, if you believe that stuff, if you need that stuff, then, then religion, that's what helps you to do that. Now, however the world looks at religion, I think they're in agreement upon this. They're tired of you and I arguing about who has the best crutch. They don't care who has the best crutch. You know, they say, hey, man, all religions are the same. Just, you know, if a crutch works for somebody, let it work for them. Why do you care what crutch they pick? Why do you have to say our, our crutch is the best? The, the debate has gone on for centuries and, and really begins with this concept or has this idea that, that God is at the top of a mountain. And there's all kinds of ways up the mountain. Now, the, if the goal is to get to the top, right? The goal is to get to God. Well, then what difference does it make how somebody gets there? I mean, as long as they get there, why would you criticize how somebody else gets to the top of the mountain? And, and, and we're kind of left going, well, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why I am criticizing that, that. And they're kind of beating us down into this concept that really, if you think about it, I mean, it has some logic to it. If the goal is just to get to God, why, why do I need to criticize how somebody else gets there? And it's gone. It's, I think that idea has grown in the last 10, 15, 20 years in the United States because we've seen an evolution of equality of persons into an equality of ideas. I read a quote in a, in a book that I'm reading right now by David Platt called Radical, very, very popular book right now. And this quote actually doesn't really tell you what the book is about, uh, but in the opening chapters, he's kind of covering this idea. And I'll tell you something, for me anyway, he hits on something that really explains the pressure, the tension that, that you and I feel out there in the culture if we're trying to say Jesus is the only way to heaven. Look at what he says here. He says, in America, we cherish all men are created equal. And this idea is grounded in biblical truth. Each person is created in the image of God and has intrinsic worth. Subtly, however, this equality of persons shifts into an equality of ideas. Just as every person is equally valued, so every idea is equally valid. Applied to faith, this means that in a world where different people have different religious views, all such views should be treated as fundamentally equal. In this system of thinking, and boy, folks, I, I just think this phrase right here nails it. In this system of thinking, faith is a matter of taste, not of truth. The cardinal sin, therefore, is to claim that one person's belief is true and another's is false. This is the, the pervading belief, the pervading thought in our society that kind of leaves us out there, as we've been referring to the last couple of weeks, out there at the coffee pot or, or in the classroom thinking, 
gosh, you know, should, is it wrong for me to, to say something here? And if we did say that, what, what are they going to say to you? You know, they're going to say, man, why, why do you always feel like you have to shove your faith, shove your beliefs down somebody else's throat? Why are you always pushing that on people? You're arrogant. Isn't it arrogant? My way is the way. I'm the only one who's right. I mean, that, that's normally how we're going to define arrogance, isn't it? You know, they're, they're going to say that to us or they're going to say, you know what? You're demeaning. You're demeaning other people. You're demeaning other cultures. And this is what's coming at us. And, and we, now we believe, we believe that Jesus is the way to heaven, but we hear all this and the logic sounds pretty tight. It sounds pretty good. And so we're kind of left standing there flat-footed. Maybe I have committed the cardinal sin. Maybe to be a Christian is just to be a, a bigoted jerk. So, so how do we respond to this idea? Do they have logic on their side? Is that right? How are we to respond? Well, folks, I want to try to address this question this morning. We've looked at two questions so far. We've looked at, does God exist? And, and we said that really the intelligent thing, man, what, an, what a complete opposite thought from our culture. The intelligent thing is to believe in God. There is absolutely no evidence, no scientist can refute this. There's no evidence that demands the conclusion that God does not exist. I'm not saying scientists aren't looking at things and saying, we think this means no God exists, but there's no conclusion that demands that. Folks, you see anything laying around out there in the world, you say, who put that there? And yet we look at an entire universe and we're not supposed to ask the question, who put that there? The intelligent thing is to move forward with the idea, hey, I think, I think there might be a God. I, I think I'm going to start dealing with all other questions with the idea that there is. And then the next week we asked, has that God spoken? Has that God revealed himself? Has he showed us anything specific about who he is? Now, obviously, and this kind of dovetails into today's topic, all religions claim to have a book, don't they? I mean, we got our holy book, we got our sacred book, our religious writings. Every, every religion claims to have an authority, a source of information. Last week, as much as possible, we tried to use some objective evidence to say that the Bible really actually is incomparable. Not really an opinionated statement. You can actually put some objective evidence, some objective uh, uh, documents out there and say there is absolutely nothing like the Bible. It's incomparable. We said it's inspired. We said it's inerrant. So we have a God. We have a God who's revealed himself. Now, you realize with these first two questions, we're kind of driven now that as we start working through the other questions, we're going to start with the Scripture. As the way we've answered these first two questions, it is intelligent. It's, it's a good place to start in the Scripture. And so now we come to answer the question, how do you get to God? Are, are there more than one ways? Are, are there a lot of ways up the mountain? Now, the last two weeks, we've started to answer these questions by, okay, here we are. We're at the coffee pot. We're in the classroom. What do we say? Well, I don't want to start there today. I'm going to end up there. But what I'd like to start with today, folks, is kind of really firming up our belief that there is one way. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that because I think you need to be convinced of that or you don't understand that. I think a lot of us walked into this room today. We said, man, there's one way to God. Uh, you know, I, I'm here today because I believe Jesus Christ is the way to God. We believe that, but we get out there in the culture and we, 
kind of like we've said these other times, we feel kind of stupid, maybe even mean to say that out there. Is it okay to say there's one way? Yeah, I think we need to be firmed up in that because, folks, remember, when we're talking about religions, we're talking about things that men have created, right? And so if this is just each person, yeah, then it is arrogant if my way only lifts up my way. But was Christianity created by men? Is it men who are saying this or is it God who is saying this? Because if God has said there's only one way, then we don't have any choice what we communicate, do we? Whether it's politically correct, whether we're applauded, whether we're agreed with, we have no choice in what we are going to communicate, but that there is one way. So let's firm our belief up in that. Does the Bible, does God allow us a multiplicity of gods? Does it allow us a multiplicity of ideas about one God? Oh, we all believe in one God. They call him one name over there and they call him by another name over there. And we call him Jesus in here. Does the Bible allow for that? Does the Bible allow for a lot of ways to that God? Fair question. Let's see what the scripture teaches. I want to look at both the Old and the New Testament. Let's start in Exodus. Exodus chapter 20. Second book in the Bible. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, by the way, we've got some under the chairs Uh, If you can't reach it, I know somebody will hand it to you, but I hope you'll grab it and study along. Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, chapter 20. That should sound kind of familiar. This is where the Ten Commandments come to us from. Exodus, chapter 20. We're going to look at verses 3 and 4. Look what it says there. It says, do not have other gods. Don't have a plurality of thinking about who God is. Don't have a plurality of gods. Do not have other gods besides me. Verse 4, do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above or the earth below or the waters under the earth. You must not bow down to them or worship them. Now I want you to flip to one other passage. Go to Deuteronomy 12. Go to your right. You'll go through, where are we? Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. About three books to your right. You'll be in Deuteronomy chapter 12. And oddly enough, we're looking at verses 3 and 4 there. Also, Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 3. Now, these verses we're about to read, Israel has been in Egypt for over 400 years. And they're getting ready to go back into the promised land. And as they go in there, they are going to find a whole bunch of cultures... They're going to find a whole bunch of gods, a whole bunch of ways to worship those gods, serve those gods, get to those gods. And and as the Israelites come into that, they're going to be confronted with all these ideas of God. And God tells them what they're to do. Now, what God's telling them here is not necessarily what he's telling us. Okay, I don't want to I don't want us to think that God's sending us out to war necessarily. But we certainly learn principles here of, of, of how we're to deal with, how we're to address and acknowledge other religions. And look what he says in verse 3. Tear down their altars. Okay, I'm, I'm guessing God has a pretty clear view on other religions. Tear down their altars. Smash their sacred pillars. Burn up their Asherah poles. Cut down the carved images of their gods. And wipe out their names from every place. Verse 4. Don't worship the Lord God in this way. Folks, the Ten Commandments clearly, definitively forbids you and I, okay, not not the men who came up with our religion. God 
in His commandments clearly forbids you and I from acknowledging, from appreciating, even from learning from a multiplicity of gods. It does not allow us to acknowledge one God who's understood in a multiplicity of ways. We're not even to create idols. You know what an idol is, folks? It's a way to worship God. As a matter of fact, you know what I'm going to carve? I'm going to carve out the way I like to think of God. I'm going to carve out the way I like to see Him. As a matter of fact, we don't do a lot of carving in our culture. But you know what? We have idolatrous thoughts. You know, when I think of God, I like to think of Him this way. Folks, God's not defined by how you like to think of Him. He's not defined by what's comfortable for you. God is defined by how He revealed Himself. We look to God's Word for the truth of His character, His person, His works, His purposes. He defines Himself. We do not define Him. And in that, He is saying, and I am not going to be understood by a multiplicity of ideas in a, in a multiplicity of ways. In Deuteronomy 12.4, you know, he's, in verse 3, He's just said there's all these different religions out there and what you're supposed to do. And He says, as you're dealing with this, you're not to look over in that other religion and say, you know what, they, they have a good way of praying. Well, they, they really seem to have some insight on... Uh, on, on meditation or, or worship or on serving. Man, you know what? We ought to take that practice of theirs and pull it over here, baptize it, and put it in our faith. God says, I don't even want you learning from other religions. I don't even want you picking up something you think that they do well. Why? Because life with God is not defined by us. Life with God is defined by Him. So folks, clearly the Old Testament does not allow for a multiplicity. What about the New Testament? Well, folks, I think if anything, it just gets even clearer. Look at John chapter 14. Pretty well-known verse, I think, for a lot of us. John, into the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, one of the four Gospels. Get to Acts, Romans, you've gone too far. John chapter 14, verse 6. Now, before we get to verse 6, in verses 1 through 5, what's happening? Okay, this is taking place, this conversation is taking place the night of the Lord's Supper. And in, in, in literally, in a few hours, Jesus is going to be arrested, and, and the events of the Passion Weekend, the events of the crucifixion are all about to unfold. And so Jesus is telling them there in the upper room, He's saying, hey guys, I'm, I'm getting ready to leave. Uh, and not like, you know, in the near future, like in hours. I'm getting ready to leave. I'm going back to the Father. And and. Thomas jumps up at this point and says, well, whoa, wait, wait a minute. How, how do we get there? How do we get to God? How, how do we get to the, the, to the top of the mountain? How do we get to heaven? That's the, con that's the question on the table. Look at how Jesus responds in John 14, verse 6. He says, Jesus told him, he's answering Thomas, I am the way. Singular. I am the truth. I am the life. No one, no matter how sincere they are, no one, no matter how much they believe, no one, no matter how hard they work at it, no one is coming to the Father except through me. Only one path, only one way to God through the person of Jesus. Now, folks, what do we do with this statement? I mean, sure, we know the world is going to reject it. We know the world does not applaud that. But what are we going to do with it? 
What are we going to do with what Jesus said? He clearly defines here. There are not a multiplicity of ways to God. There's not a plurality of understandings. If you want to come to God, if you want to go to heaven, if you want to come up to the top of the mountain, you have to go through me. Singular. There's not a lot of ways. Well, now, obviously, one thing we can do is look at that and say, well, I reject that. I, I, I don't believe that. I, I think that's kind of mean. I don't think that's nice. I don't think that's respecting and acknowledging. I mean, everybody grows up somewhere and they grow up with their religion and their way. I, I, I just don't, I don't think that's good. Well, I mean, that's your prerogative to reject it. <laughs> I would ask you this. On what evidence are you rejecting that? I reject it. That's your decision. But on what evidence? Because, I mean, folks, we've just taken a few minutes and I think it only gets stronger if we take more time. The last couple of weeks we've taken a few minutes and say, hey, you know what, there's a... Really a good chance this guy's God. You know, the evidence, believe it or not, while most of us have never seen anything like this, boy, the evidence really, the historical evidence, really suggests this guy conquered the grave. You remember he said, now, if he conquered the grave, and if he's God, does that not give more weight to his words? Does that not just kind of ramp up his authority when he speaks? And so if you're going to reject it, that's your choice. But on what evidence? I hope your only evidence is not your feelings. Well, I don't, I don't feel like that's nice. Well, I don't, I don't feel like that's fair. That all of your decision is based on how it makes you feel. Because folks, truth is not based on how you feel. Truth is truth before you ever get there. Before you ever have an emotional response to it. And the truth is that Jesus has said there is one way to heaven. Now, whether the world's going to applaud us for that or not, whether you and I can win a debate at the coffee pot or not, we can do no other than stand on this great truth. There is one single way to God through the person of Jesus Christ. And isn't God good to provide that way? Isn't God good to let us know that way? Now, I, I hope that's that's just a few minutes. I hope that kind of firms you up. Well, OK, that, you know, if I'm going to call myself a Christian, if I'm going to say I'm a follower of Christ. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm supposed to believe. And I do believe we need to be firmed up in this. Folks, there are churches meeting all over the landscape of America today who are more than happy to applaud the religions of the world, to affirm the religions of the world. I don't know if it's because they want the approval and the applause of the world. I don't know if it's because they don't believe scripture to begin with. But there are a lot of people saying, you know, we need to be nicer about this. We need to, you know, get along. Well, now, folks, I want you to know something. The scripture never commands you to be mean. It actually says that when you go out there to debate, you're to be gentle. You're to be respectful. But you are never to back down, back off or back up from one single great truth. Jesus Christ is the way to God. So that's our truth. Now. We're, we believe that? We're ready to go? Oh, okay, that, that sounded pretty real. I'm good. Okay, let's just move on then. Okay, now let's go to the coffee pot. Now let's go back to the classroom, okay? I'm standing there and I'm, I'm being told I'm arrogant. I'm being told I'm demeaning. I'm shoving my way of thinking down somebody else's you know, throat. Okay, how do I respond? Now, obviously, one way would be to talk about the person of Jesus and what he did and why he's the one way how he's the one way for them. 
I'm not going to go that direction today. I'm going to go this direction. I want to stand there for a few moments and kind of debate with them the logic of one way. It is not bigoted, nor is it illogical to suggest that there is one way to God. And I'm not going to use scripture to prove this. Remember, they don't believe in scripture. I'm trying to be where they are, use their logic. So why is it not illogical to believe in one way? Why is it not bigoted? I want to give you six ideas. Sounds like a lot. I'm going to actually move through them pretty quick because you all know how quick I am uh, when I speak. Uh, Number one, we are not talking about. We're we're talking. Yeah, I I said that I was looking at the salt backwards. I'm dyslexic there for a moment. We're talking about truth, not mountain climbing. Okay, what's this whole philosophy? There's a lot of ways up the mountain. There's a lot of ways to God. Super. That's great. Mountain climbing. We're just not mountain climbing. We're talking about truth. Folks, truth by its very definition is singular. There's truth. Then anything that doesn't come into line with it, anything that contradicts it is not truth. You you can't have two contradictory statements that are both truth. One of them is going to be false. You see up here, I've done some incredibly higher math for you. 2 plus 2 equals 5, 2 plus 2 equals 7, 2 plus 2 equals 13, and 2 plus 2 equals 4. Are those equal statements? This isn't actually higher math. Come on, folks. (laughs) There's no trick here. Okay, are those equal statements? (laughs) Glory to God. Amen. (laughs) Look how we love God with our brain. Okay. No, those are, those are not equal statements. They're not. Only one of them is true, and the others are false. Okay? Now, what if I said, but you know what? When I look at math, I, I, really, I really like to look at 2 plus 2 equals 5. That's what really helps me to understand math. That's what helps me to see math. Does that make it true? What if I... What if I man, I, I believe this with all my heart. I mean, I sincerely... I really really believe this. Does that make it true? No, folks, sincerity and effort and and how hard you try doesn't make it true. Two plus two equals four because it's truth. And it's not true. Two plus two doesn't equal four because that's how I like to look at math. Two plus two doesn't equal four because that makes me feel good inside, makes my liver quiver and I just feel warm and fuzzy about math. No, two plus two equals four because that's the truth. And it was the truth before I got there, and it's the truth after I leave. Truth is not based on my response. Do you realize everything that we're, we're talking about, all the ways to God, truth is singularly defined by my response. Well, we all, have, we all have kind of different responses. We all have different emotions. That's not what truth is based on. Truth, by its definition, is singular. Number two. It is God's kindness. It's not arrogance. It's not meanness. It's not the, I've got this very narrow way and only only a few people get to use it. I, I, I don't want anybody to get this. I don't want anybody to. Folks, it's God's kindness that tells us there's one way. Do you realize if we lived in a world where actually all the ways got you there, all the ways get you there doesn't mean all the ways work, does it? And there's a lot of ways to get there. There's a lot of ways to drive to Texas. You can go I-20, you can go I-30, you can go I-40, a whole host of small roads will get you there. But I'll tell you something, you can drive up and down I-95 all you want, you're not going to get to Texas. I mean, just because we say, I mean, I, I, you know, in other words, I'm giving this, okay, you say there's a lot of ways, super, but a lot of ways doesn't mean every way works. And there are ways that every person on the planet will say, well, certainly that doesn't work. 
You know, killing people to get to God, that's certainly, we, we would all say that doesn't work. But you know what? If I'm told there's all kinds of ways, what are the chances that I land on a wrong way and now feel absolutely secure in my lostness? Because I've been told there's all kinds of ways. Just pick one. Really increases the odds that I'm very secure, very comfortable while I am totally lost. Do you realize how kind God is to say there's a way? Because now all of a sudden I go, where am I? Is this the way? Am I traveling the right way? You see, the fact that God says there's one way makes me stop and think. Makes me stop and look. Makes me stop and see what God has said. It's kindness that God tells us that. Number three, the Christian way is not bigoted because it's open to all. Bigotry closes the door because of their race, because of their gender, because of their beliefs, because of their nationality. There's something about that person. Boom, you don't get in. Christianity is not doing that. Yeah, it is saying all the other ways are wrong, but it invites everybody. You've heard me say so many times, the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever, whoever you are, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, God's way is open to you. Jesus said, come unto me, all who are where? Who? All. All. Somebody praising the Lord back there. All. All who are what? All who are weary. Why are we weary? We're tired. We're tired of trying to find the way that works. We're tired of trying to be perfect. We're tired of trying to work enough on the way. We're tired of the stress of wondering if this is the way. Jesus says, you know what? If you're tired, come to me. I'll be your way. I'll give you rest. I'll be, isn't that what he said in John 14, 6? I'll be your way to God. I'll be the life of God for you. I'll be the truth of God for you. So it's not bigoted because it's open to all. Number four, number five, number four is going to kind of lead into number five. They're, they're, they're kind of the same thought. The idea that all ways to God. Now, this is what I want to say to people. You believe there's all kinds of ways. You know, really, that's silly because it actually makes me God. OK, so I'm told there's all kinds of ways out there that get to God, right? Who decides who God is? I do. You know, if there's all kinds of ways, then the burden's put on me. I decide who God is. I decide the way to him. I decide what he wants. Folks, who's the subject of all this? I am. Who's the driver of this system? I am. I'm God of this system. God's the product of me. God wants what I tell him he's going to want. God's going to be pleased with what I tell him he's going to be pleased with. This whole system makes me God. Which leads to the next thing, number five. The idea that all ways to God are equal ultimately negates God. I said, folks, the reason the world can say that all ways get to God because in their mind, all religions actually are the same. Oh, they all do the same thing. They all, oh, yeah, again, they call them by this name or that name, or maybe they have this little part of them that's a little bit different. But all religions are the same. Well, folks, I don't know how much time you've spent studying world religions. They're actually not the same at all. Yeah, they've got some, you know, be kind, tell the truth. Yeah, you'll see that in a lot of religions. But, folks, the differences are much, much greater than the similarities. And the differences are difference to the point of contradiction. 
They're, they're, they have contradictory ideas about who God is and about what He's doing. It can't be that we're all looking at the same God just a little bit differently because it's a contradiction. But see, in this system where you say, oh, all ways work even if they're contradictory, the reason that works is because God's not the goal. A true God is not the goal of this system. What makes you feel good is the goal of this system. What makes you help you understand God is this. You're the center of everything. This, this system doesn't even believe in God. It's not, by the way, it's not religion that tells us that, that all roads get up there. It's unbelievers because they don't believe in God. And here you and I are standing at the coffee pot and we're falling for it. And we're going, oh my gosh, yeah, I guess I shouldn't say that. Now, folks, there, there's no logic to what they're saying. Now, let me bring it back. Last one. And coming back a little bit closer now to, to Christianity and using the logic. It, it, if nothing else, you can explain why you can't accept one way. You, you, know, you may be a bad person for believing one way, but here's why you can't accept it. Obviously, we believe, I say obviously, <laughs> I hope it's obvious. We believe that God the Father sent God the Son into this world to die on a cross for your sins and my sins, correct? That's a horrible price to pay. Now, why would the Father have His Son do that? To provide a way to Him if He was then only going to turn around and say, now, you can get to Me through this incredible thing My Son did for you out of love or, or just pick any other way that feels good to you. Would that not make what the father had his son do a cruel and unnecessary waste? Do you see the logic of that? Why would the father have the son do that if in reality the father was going to allow any way you chose to get to him? Folks, the idea of a God, the idea of truth, the idea of the cross, demands the logical conclusion, there's one way. That's what we have to believe. They, people can reject that, but we have to hold on to it. It's what our God has revealed. And wasn't He kind to do that? Wasn't He kind to that? Because we see what we're, when we're left up to our own imagination, we come up with all kinds of ways that are contradictory. God clearly shows us one way. Folks, there are six billion people, a little over actually, but there's six billion people on the planet. Uh, estimates, and I think they're generous, estimates would suggest that 1.5 billion people on the planet today are believers in Jesus Christ. That would mean then that 4.5 million are not. Three out of every four people walking around on this planet are not on the way. They've not invested their faith, their life in the way. Now, if any old way gets you there, you know, pick a way, faithfully follow it. If any way gets you there, then there's no real urgency for us to suggest anything different, is there? There's no real mandate to go and to tell them. But folks, if you believe there is one way, there is an indescribable urgency. And there is absolutely a mandated message in your life. Not, not the church, not the pastor, not the spiritual leader. In every person's life who believes. If you believe there's one way, there is a mandated message to go and to share that way. You know, folks, I, you know, a message like this, we would use the phrase kind of preaching to the choir, isn't it? 
I mean, you walked in here believing this for the most part. I would imagine 95% or more of you in here today are absolutely comfortable. You're okay. You would approve and applaud me saying that Jesus Christ is the way to God. Yeah, but folks, you know what? The challenge today is not that we approve or we applaud that statement. Our challenge today is to ask ourselves, what are we doing with that statement? What are we doing with that truth? Do you realize you cannot possibly believe that and be doing nothing with it? It's impossible. You cannot believe that and then hold it to yourself and do nothing. Folks, it is this truth that guides, that drives, I'd like to think almost everything we do in this church. We go, we leave here today, we go out into a world to tell people what? The way. That truth should be defining your life. It should be defining your relationships, your activities, your checkbook, your calendar. It should be defining everything about you. And it should be defining this church. You know, we have one class, a lot of classes we offer. We have one class we offer every single time. Faith, F-A-I-T-H. It's a class that, that teaches you to share the one way. To, to take the scriptures and to show somebody why this one way works and how they can come to that one way and why they need that one way. That this class helps you tell your story. The story of how you came to know the one way and what that has meant in your life. Why do we offer that class every semester? Because we believe there's one way. And I've got people all around me, friends, strangers, and everything in between. They're traveling around me on the wrong way every single day. How can I not care? How can I not be involved in that? How can I not want to get more and more proficient at sharing that one way? As a matter of fact, folks, we, our, our faith class is starting in February. Uh, we have it starting in just a couple of weeks. You're interested in learning how to share your faith. I would encourage you, they're, they're signing up today down here at this end of the concourse at that desk. Go out there and say, the pastor said something about a witnessing class, gospel class. I don't know what he was talking about. Can you tell me about it? Can, can I sign up for that? How can you not? How, how can you not? We pray that the gospel goes, that it goes around our community, goes around our state, around our nation, and around our world. Why do we pray that? Because we believe there's one way. We give. You give. You give a lot of money in a bad economy. Why do you do that? Because there's one way. And we want to see the gospel spread throughout this world. Folks, this year, we're not only going to leave these doors and go out into our community. This year, this one year alone, we're going to go to Boston. We're going to go to Nicaragua. We're going to go to China. We're going to go to Italy. Uh, why are we going to all these places? Because we believe there's one way. And nothing should be sending me more to do anything than knowledge of that truth. Folks, my great challenge is not to win a debate at the coffee pot. I do want to be able to talk to them at the coffee pot at work. I, I do want to be able to, to, to defend this idea at school. But folks, the real challenge for us is not to win a debate. The real challenge is to find that one person who's looking for the way. And to share it. God's given you. You, not the sign out front. The sign out front won't do that. You, your life, share the way. Every person that has come to Christ has been eternally blessed to know the way. What are you doing with that knowledge?
What are you doing with that gift? Let's pray. Father, I pray that we look at people differently. I pray that we see people as either on the way or lost. And Jesus, would you, when you, would you teach us to look at them the way you actually looked at them? Because God, in our sinfulness, sometimes we look at lost people and we hate them. Sometimes we look at lost people and we, we hate the way they're living and the things that they're doing and we want to throw stuff at them. We want to get away from them. But your word tells us that when you looked out there at that world that was lost and did not know the way, that you felt compassion. You felt compassion for them. God, we know there's a lot of people out there that don't want to talk to us. They, they don't want to hear about the way. But there's a lot of people that do. And I pray we'd begin to feel burdened for that. And we'd begin to be aware of those people that are in our very lives, our neighborhoods, our classrooms, our workplaces. God, I pray we'd feel a burden to, to learn how to share the gospel. To want to share the gospel. Because we've been so blessed with the knowledge of the one way to you. God, may we feel the mandate. May we feel the urgency. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.